Hello, 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 and welcome to the big show. This is season two of Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks. This is the internationally famous podcast for Seattle area dive bars and drinking establishments. We're interested in those roadhouses, taverns, water and holes, long history, and nice seedy backstory. And we get into the into the real history, the rich history of these epic drinking establishments, watering holes, taverns, juke joints, roadhouses. But what are we focused on in season two, right? We're doing the Pioneer well, Square we're bars. We're going to get there. Yeah, All we're right. going to get there. We're going to get there. The oldest so, bar in Seattle. And, and we're not just we're not just talking about these awesome old. Awesome, epic <laughs> drinking establishments <laughs> and dive bars in the confines of some cushy home uh, podcast recording studio. Hell no. No, no. We were coming to you live from the actual drinking establishments that we were talking about. This time around, we are in Georgetown, just south of Seattle, at Jules Mays. One of, one of, I'm, I'm not going to say the, but one of the oldest drinking establishments in the greater Seattle area. And How we're going to get into the awesome, epic, long-ass well, we history of this bar. Uh, refresh our listeners' memories with why we're going to these places. That's right, that's right. We're, See, in, we're on a hunt. That's right. Yeah, we talked about this is This is season two. Season two has a, 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 a theme. We kicked off the season with a pretty cool theme of the oldest... Dive bars in Seattle, and we were on a hunt for the oldest. And then through through research, Brad, through your epic historical research, found out that's like, well, wait a second, there's a, quite a few establishments that are the claiming to be, to the, be oldest. the oldest. Yeah. And but which one really is? Which one is real? Only well, only one can be truly the oldest. Who, but it's it's complicated. It's not simply like, oh, well, that one's oldest. Uh, end of story. It's like, no, no. It's actually it's a little more complicated. It's kind than of that. complicated. Yeah. Well, yeah. one thing is simple though. There is one of the four that is not the oldest active bar, Brad. Yeah. Well, we're going to yeah. get into that the next episode. So I think what we just talked about doing. Well, no, um, I'm talking about the J and M. Oh, the J and M. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. Gonzo. We were going to yeah. do an episode there. Yeah, and yeah. We didn't know. There are it some was of a, the oldest. It was a COVID the oldest, casualty, but one of the oldest. Four. Yep. Unfortunately, JNM. So let's do a quick, quick intros for everybody that's talking. All right. And then Brad will get into the history of the illustrious Jules Maze that we are at. I'm uh, Jay Dizzle. On my left is Stash Panda. Hello, everybody. Illustrious Bob Trombley on the mixing board. Producer extraordinaire. Hey, now. And. Louie. Sweet motherfucking Lou. Sweet motherfucking Lou. <laughs> that's right. All right, good. So we were talking about oh, famous, and the house band. House, oh, shout out to the house band, Satan's Pilgrims, doing intro music. We'll see you hear a little bit more of them later in the podcast too. Yeah, make them up around too. So we talked about like the oldest, and it's like, well, it's not as easy as it sounds. So we're, there's a few of the oldest, some mm-hmm. of the oldest in Seattle, right? Yep. Well, what's and, the year on this one, Brad? Supposedly. Well, we got episode. We're in episode three of the season. Well, it's a little, Jules Mays. It's a little complicated because you have. Just give me a number. There is no there is no number. number. That's the because, whole point. Uh, he, which I'm going to get into. Well, no, no, We're stop. Don't get ahead, into it. Jules yet, Mays but... started a bar before it became Jules Mays. So that's what I mean. It's not as easy as just throwing Even a number at you. Well, I'm get into can that. you throw a number? Uh, 1889. 592, there's a number for you. So even... I swear even, to God. No, you're, you're doing a spoiler alert, Lou. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of... But even, you're even, ahead. even 1889 is not a true, real, the number, right? Yeah. Right, Brad? Yeah. So why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history? Yeah, so this place, so 
The story here obviously begins with the bar's namesake, Jules Mays. I think we did. Who was also known as the mayor of Georgetown. Jules Mays was a Belgian immigrant who immigrated to the United States in 1892. He worked as a bartender in a number of saloons throughout the South Seattle area before finally becoming a saloon owner himself when he purchased a South Seattle establishment known as the Maple Leaf Saloon. Where was that at? That was in the Rainier Valley area. Oh, okay. So South Seattle. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. In 1912, he sold that place so he could take over ownership of the Rainier Bar, which was then located at Duwamish Avenue. And by the way, Duwamish Avenue is now known as Airport Way. Oh, okay. So this is on Airport Way. So So his original bar was just a few, uh, like a couple blocks down. And again, it was known as the Rainier Bar because it was near the Rainier Brewery. We're in Georgetown, by the way. Shout out. Yep. So during these early years, the Rainier Bar also had a meeting room in the back that briefly served as a bookie joint before being shut down (laughs) by the police. And for some local sports trivia for you, the Georgetown Merchants baseball team formed there in uh, 1920. Cool. During Prohibition, the Rainier Bar operated as the Rainier Soft Drink Saloon. So we've, we've got into this before. Everyone's throwing wait, up wait, air nudge, quotes. Nudge, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Basically, any drinking establishment that when Prohibition hit suddenly became a soft drink parlor, they were operating as a speakeasy. Right. And, you know, we've, we've covered a few of these places, yeah. In fact, the place was raided by the sheriff's office in 1927, and Jules Mays himself was arrested for selling medicinal drinks and health tonics with the high alcohol content. Well, wasn't that a, a wrap, a workaround, right? Where yeah. Bartel's drugs served... Uh, well, they, they served health tonics. Yeah, like health Coca-Cola. Tonics. Yeah. No, I'm thinking more... You could get it as a prescription, right? It, was, it wasn't a prescription. You didn't have to get a prescription for these health tonics. They were just sold, like, over the counter. And I'm thinking, um, like, Jägermeister. Like, I've always heard Jägermeister is like some old drink from native Germany that they used to drink medicinally, right? It tastes exactly like fucking cough syrup. It tastes like NyQuil kind of, right? (laughs) So that's what I imagine that they were selling when they got popped for these health tonics. I imagine they were very similar to to like Jägermeister. Sounds like a conspiracy, right? So modern cough syrup is actually flavored after old school Jägermeister. Mm -hmm. Probably. I think it probably is. Yeah, whatever herbs and... You guys ever drink Fernet? Yeah. That's like yeah. the bartender's oh, yeah. drink, the bartender's right. you know, the yeah. drink of drink. I, I, it's disgusting. <laughs> Is it kind of what we're oh, talking man, about, like kind of yeah. black anise, licorice flavored, Anise yeah. flavored, yeah. We don't call it disgusting. We call it medicinal. We call it artisanal. Nice. Do you guys like Jägermeister? Do you guys like those kind of drinks, by the way? Yeah. When I was no, in high school. I, I like I've it always been a fan like of Jägermeister. Yeah. I like yeah. black licorice. When I was in high school. Fucking like zero. It. Okay, I like black licorice, but I know I'm in the minority. Yeah, I dig licorice, but not a Jäger, nah. Nah. Yeah. You like black licorice? I do. Anise that's is a fucking disgusting. Episode. So what's what's that Your drink disgusting. from Greece that's like black licorice that you mix Uzo? with water? Ouzo, yeah. 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 So you guys don't you guys aren't down with ouzo or anything? That? that is okay. fire water. Yeah. When I was in Turkey there's a drink there was a, their version of it was called Rocky. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> they, it tastes I could only imagine. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Anyway. Ouzo. In 1928, the business became known as Jules Mays, finally, and operated, operated as a restaurant and pool hall. So to answer your question, that's 1928 is when it became Jules Mays, but it was a little complicated because that same place was operating as a bar, but it wasn't known as Jules Mays previous to that. So that's why it was a little So what's the prohibition here again? 32? 
when it ended, when it was repealed yeah. in 1933. Okay. Yeah. It so started this... here in Washington State in 1916, national prohibition 1920, repealed nationally in 1933. So Ooh. this is a... Once again, everything starts. And not only Seattle, but Washington. That's yeah. right. We were right. prohibition before. Yeah. But yeah, so after he got popped, he, he stopped with the soft drink, and then, then it became a pool hall. But pool halls back then were also, you know... Shady. They were also serving drinks on the DL. In 1934, after the repeal of Prohibition, Jules Mays was granted a liquor permit, and his bar began to legally serve beer again. In 1936, the original location was damaged by a fire, and Mays relocated up the road a bit to where we are now. Uh, but after the fire in 1936, it moved... And it moved to its current location where we're sitting at now. So this site that we're on now, it's a Seattle historic site uh, that was built in 1898. And it was originally known as the Brick Store because it was a hardware store. Mm -hmm. And then it, it also served as a grocery store for a little bit. And then Jules Mays relocated here in 1936. Jules died a couple years later in 1939. However, it remained in the fam Mays family ownership for the next 58 years. I think his wife ran it for a while, followed by one of his nephews. In 1988, it was purchased by June Espeland and her son Jay, and it operated as Jules Mays Saloon and Eatery. It was then sold in 2004 to Vanessa and John Lamaster, who did some... They owned another bar, didn't they? They may have. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that, but it's entirely possible. Okay, yeah. continue. So they did some substantial remodeling, and they ran Jules Mays here until early 2020, when it closed down due to COVID. Initially, the word on the street was that this was permanently being closed down. Right. That's uh, what I heard, too. Yeah, and I remember that... I thought it was, yeah. Yeah, and it, it received a lot of press. There was a lot of commiserating about it on social media. A lot of people were bummed out about it. But at kind of the 11th hour, it was purchased by a former patron, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Rache Hemelgam. Okay. Uh, the first name is spelled R-A-C-H-E, so I, I assume it's Rache. Reopened it in January of 2021. Thank you, Rache. Yeah, thank you. So since taking ownership, Hemelgam has remained dedicated to preserving its original historic character and charm, and for that, we all thank her. Looking around the bar's rich history and original architecture can be seen in everything from its vaulted ce ceilings in the uh, front room, and if you take a close look, it has the original 20-foot wooden bar that was from the original location that they brought with them. And if you bar. look at the bar closely, you can see divots in the wood from where people's arms have rested over the decades. And I was 100 years it. worth of elbow action yeah. on that Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I always love seeing that like physical history where you can see it. It's kind of like at Daryl's when we were at Daryl's. You can see grooves around the pool table yeah. from where people over the decades have been sh shooting pool and it just kind of like formed a groove. There's also at Daryl's a payphone that I don't think it's in operating order anymore but it's still there on the wall and there's like footprints that have been grooved in from like decades of people just standing there talking uh, on the phone. Yeah, talking That's with cool. their bookies. I, I took yeah. picture of, pictures of that. Did you? So That's we'll, pretty we'll cool. put them up on the gram. Yeah. So I always love seeing that. Apologies if you're going to get into this already but Another interesting aspect uh, of this bar, and I don't think it's working anymore, but they originally had a running water spittoon trough at the bar, which I don't think is working yeah. anymore. But it was up until, I think, like the early 2000s or something, continuing to run 
water flowing through a little gully at the bottom oh, of the really? bar there to act as a spittoon, which is for pretty, what? That's pretty awesome. It's, it's basically a spittoon. Oh, so, so for people to spit in it? Exactly. And, yeah. it, and it's got water constantly flowing through Ding. it. So, you know, it's nice and clean. It's like this nowadays is a we would push boats right? so of sushi on that. And back in exactly. the day, you spit in it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, spittoons were a thing. Classy. This is just like a next I'm level sure, spittoon. I'm sure Seattle yeah. people are walking into the bar going, oh, this place is nice. And, oh, look, a little sushi boat trough. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my dragon a, roll. Can I have a loogie roll, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people uh, are probably dumping their cigarettes in there and stuff. Not, sure. yeah, not, not, sure running, like not running stuff. any longer for, I think, yeah, very obvious probably reasons. Probably got clogged yeah. after yeah. decades of people throwing who knows what in who there. Knows what exactly. Or I like to think they probably just emptied it out at the end of the night and it was the same shit that kept getting browner and browner as the night went on, right? Yeah, it was probably nasty. That was probably not a job you wanted to do, to be the spittoon cleaner. It's probably left for the dishwasher. I but don't anyway. know. It sounds like a good money-making opportunity. I'd be like, well, who it, wants to put in a buck to watch me drink a cup of the uh, oh, trough? Well, I would put in a buck to watch you, Lou, well, drink I'd, a cup of that. I'd, I'd put in a buck. Bucks that night. <laughs> way, way back in the day, they'd get kids. So you'd kids come in and do this, the, you know, the spittoon rounds, you know, clean out the spittoons and stuff. And taverns. Ah, what a nasty sure. job. Yeah, yeah. Five cents an hour or whatever. Yeah. Up Go there with right. chamber pots, right? Beats exactly. Bedpan gig I had in high school. <laughs> oh. I'd much rather than cleaning out spittoons. <laughs> and on that note. Yeah. On that note. So that's basically <laughs> the history of Jules Maze. Nice. Over 100 years. And um, so, yeah, so the next episode, we were originally going to record at the JM, but they're closed indefinitely. So, we're going to go to a neutral location. I think we were deciding maybe the zoo. We've been there before. Yeah, pretty So, we can location. announce, like, who really is the oldest Seattle bar. We kind of wanted to pick a neutral location mm-hmm. out of respect for all the places. And, uh, you know, we're going to reveal our findings. And we've and, got a couple uh, places from season one that we talked about wanting to revisit because there was more we wanted to unpack, right? And the zoo right. had the chest. Yes. We're supposed to get some more, you know, download on the uh, derelict league. The of derelict baseball. league, and all, there's uh, all yeah. sorts to, of stuff. Can't wait we gotta, to dive in that chest. There, there's like that three, was... four, five yeah. episodes of content from that yeah. bar just just alone. So yeah, yeah, yeah. great place to go back. All right, cool. So we're back with round two. I think we're going to get into what you're drinking, mm-hmm. right? But I'm going to have to actually rewind it a little bit and talk about what I was drinking before we took a break. Now I'm on round two of the beverages, and we'll get into that. Yours but, looks like strawberry lemonade. Well, it does. It does. We're going to get into that. We're going yeah, to unpack I was, that I was intrigued by that as yeah, well. Yeah, so th- there's, there's, there's lots of cool shit to talk about what I'm drinking right now. Prior to that, though, uh, you know, so, like, what's on tap here at Jules Mayer's? And short answer to that is it's fairly typical to a lot of the dive bars we've been to, right? There is a, a, a staple, like Rainier, uh, on draft, God bless him, but a fucking cool-ass pole handle for Rainier that looks old yeah, school. And yeah. it's got the little I Rainier like that bottle that's actually, like, a costume of somebody running. Like the running the, of the Rainiers. Like the, like the commercial, right? Yeah. That's, a, like, a, there's a little... Uh, 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 icon of that on the top, top of the pull handle. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And the old school that. Rainier logo across the side. Very, very fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, that caught I my eye. Really picture cool. of that. Uh, none of the crappy stuff that you would typically expect, no Coors or Miller or anything like that. 
Uh, but, you know, again, this is a Seattle dive bar, so it's going to have a, a pretty cool selection of beer. But we are in Georgetown, so just like every Georgetown dive bar that we've been to both this season and previous seasons they they have a good selection of georgetown brewery beers mm-hmm. on tap which is fantastic manny's so, and bodie manny's and bodie, bodie right yep, so yep. again we, we sometimes we kind of bag on and manny's Lucille. and bodie's right because it's like well shit it's like everywhere it's like, but oh it's my good God. but they're still but solid good. beers it's and, just like mac and, and jacks like it, it's literally like two blocks like away that better. shit is brewed right so yeah that's yeah. true that, you know kudos to them yeah but what i had before was i, I went a little non-local and by my standards non-local means it's brewed in oregon <laughs> instead of washington right <laughs> so but still one of my favorite breweries i got a shout out nikasi uh, you don't yeah. see Nikasi's on Ooh, track yeah, very often. That's what I got. The Super Haze. What yes. was it called? Uh, exactly. Hazy IPA from Ninkasi. You don't see Ninkasi on draft. They very always often. make solid beers. Always. Yeah, and I've never seen the Ninkasi Hazy on draft here in Seattle. So it'll like, get you yeah, there. Their stuff's all high octane. Yeah. What's the it's Slayer? Great. Their oh, winter yeah. beer. Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. Slayer. Like winter beer, yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Ninkasi has has all sorts of cool heavy metal references. They do a collab with the Deftones. They have Slayer, which actually is licensed by Slayer to use like the font cool. and shit of the of oh, the is name. Oh, it's licensed by the group. Oh, yeah, I would think it would happen. Yeah, for sure. They got they got permission right to call. Same thing with the. They have a couple of beers with Deftones collab. They have a, a couple of other heavy metal bands that they do collabs with and, and like, coordinate with the bands and yeah. stuff. Uh, so, yeah, pretty And they're cool. great beers on top of it. Oh, yeah, all of them. Amazing. Even some of their weird shit, like uh, voodoo donut kind of beers. and some I've of had that. that. Yeah, but, yeah, I can't remember sure. what it tasted so like. So that's what I did first round but second round made some observation it like doesn't even look like it's uh, like a beer at all it's a pint glass full of raspberry lemonade it looks like like it could even be like cranberry juice or or something refreshing nonetheless (laughs) well don't hold us in suspense (laughs) what are you drinking here Jeremy's gonna go to his notes I'll tell you what he's drinking tastes like fucking uh, summer no like uh, La Croix Oh really? Yeah. Is that hibiscus? So, I, that that the, one of the reasons I ordered I it is a because I like it and I knew I would like it, so I ordered it. But b I have never seen anything like this on draft at a dive bar. It is Sea Pine Brewery, Ooh. which is Ooh, in nice. Soho. Oh, it's yeah. a sour. It's a goss sour. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I can or, taste it. Or gose. You know, there's still ah. debate about the Fucking pronunciation. Delicious. And you can right? taste the raspberry. Two different, you know. Salty raspberry. A bunch of people told me, like, oh, no, no, it's actually pronounced blah, blah, blah. And, like, and then, you know, somebody else is like, oh, no, no, they're wrong. It's actually pronounced. Anyway, I think it's a goss. Somebody say ghost. Somebody say gauze. Eh, you know, goss. Whatever. I say I goose. Goss. goose, exactly. Someone said, oh, is it actually pronounced goose? What? I say goss. You can, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but it's a goss sour, which, again, I've never seen a beer like that, a beer style like that at the dive. So that's cool. I like sours. I like Goss style beers. Yeah, I need to have another, and it's fucking good. Yeah. I'm a, it's a raspberry from so Seapine. It, it's a beer. It is a beer. Yeah, yeah. It's brewed just like beer. It's a little, you know, a little bit different. It's a sour, so it's got a, a very unique strain of yeast. They typically have a much longer fermentation time than like a typical ale or a lager. So it's low, but not always. Right? And is a sour um, is it like what? a three? Something? Usually, but this one's APDs. not. This one's like six. Oh what? wow, yeah. that's like twice. That's like a double. Yeah, uh, some gosses and sours are lower uh, ABV, three, three and but and a, half. Yeah. a lot of modern interpretations of that style, like especially with other Belgian style beers, for example, 
we, in our American ingenuity, have figured out to get maximum alcohol content. <laughs> From every type of beer imaginable. Exactly. So even a, even a style that traditionally had lower ABV, fuck, we'll yeah, like that up to totally six. Yeah, that's totally like a, a teenager drink, girl drink. And it goes down like, smooth. It goes down yeah. smooth it and does it's go a down six. Smooth. But no, I wouldn't, awesome. I wouldn't call it a chick's drink. I don't think it's like a, well, like it's like a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Some of those or a... ciders these days, it's like same thing. It's like smooth, easy drink. It goes down easy. But and then you look at the in. bottle and you're like, 7%. Holy shit. Yeah. And you're seeing double. And are sours, are those Belgian in, or, in origin? Well, like, I think they, there's some debate over that. They remind me of, of the, Belgian The Belgians sour. would say, yeah, we invented that, right? And a lot of the sours you know, trace their lineage or they give homage to the Belgians, right? Okay. But there are other sour-style beers that came out, even like American-style sour beers. Okay. And like, remember a couple of episodes ago we were talking about the steamer-style beers, mm-hmm. right? And like yep. steam, stuff like that. Some of those, uh, some of those styles of pre-prohibition and prohibition style beers were pretty fucking sour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because of the way they were, the way they're handled, they were brewed like super fast, super cheap, get them out to the... You know what's cool is though, like that is unique. Like we just went to the beer festival and we just had 33 different beers amongst the three of us. Yeah. I never tasted anything that looked like that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. There, there were a few sours on tap. They were cheating you. And um, there's a whole over the fucking sidetrack we could get into for like milkshake beers and smoothie Let's get beers. Into it real quick. Oh my God. We just uh, went to the Washington Brewers Festival, Father's Day Festival. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. We a go Friday night. for the podcast crew for some Yeah, it's, we've been doing it for what, 15 years? There were two years it was shut down for COVID, and there was one year where we had a couple things going on, couldn't make it, maybe one or two, but yeah. We've and it started out as a Father's Day thing. Like, our wives, for Father's Day as a gift, like, sent us all to the beer festival, like, bought our tickets and stuff. Well, yeah. that's okay, where it started. I guess I'll go. <laughs> yeah. If you twist my arm. And for the last 15 and, years, yeah, when they asked me, what since. do you want to do for Father's Day, is I want you guys to dr- drive us to and pick us up from the beer <laughs> festival. <laughs> yeah, they're a designated All drivers. I want for Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we went this past Friday for our 15th Yeah, and it was shut, year. It shut down for the two years before, so this was the first Brewers Festival back. Yeah. Jeremy, did you see any trends? I saw it as a more balanced thing. There wasn't a new thing. It was like a yeah. little bit of everything in the past. Like there were the whiskey barrel beers, and there were the fruit yep. beers, and there were the farmhouse beers, and porters, and IPAs, and... Yeah, for sure. And like every year we've gone to the beer fest, we all kind of talk amongst ourselves like, oh, what's the kind of the, the style of this year's festival, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it was like some crazy, like ridiculously ultra hoppy. Uh, yeah, like how hoppy could the IPAs get? Right, like cra- crazy hoppy IPAs and stuff like that. And like you, like Lou said, some years would go back and there was like you know porters and like uh, yeah. uh, smoky beers were hot for a while and stuff. But yeah, I think I think Lou's right. It's, it's, it was almost like a resurgence of some of the classic styles that were in. You know, well covered in it. So, lots which was good to see. I enjoyed that part for of sure. It. For sure, lots of lots of breweries had the IPAs, like traditional standard IPAs. We saw a lot of barrel aged, yeah. Which is, I mean, fucking, I love that shit, right? So I'm like, oh yeah. So and, uh, and bang for your buck. Sometimes it says oh like fourteen percent. What oh, was yeah. that when we had a midnight murder? And midnight it was 14. murder. Yeah, yeah, it was almost 14%. like hard alcohol territory. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I noticed, kind of a trend, was IPAs are now splintering off into all the different styles. Mm-hmm. So you had West Coast IPAs, New England IPAs, Hazy's, you know, all the different kinds of IPAs yeah, they have right now. Popular Citrus, for sure. yep. yep. Yeah, for sure. 
So it's interesting to see that kind of like evolve. You see all these different styles forming. The coolest thing I loved about this year's Washington Brewers Association Beer Festival, trademark registered, copyright. Friends of the show. There was a lot of breweries that I had never even heard of before. Yeah. And every time you go there, you're going to see a couple of those because yep. that's kind of cool to see like some startup little nano brewery or whatever for show, whatever. Absolutely. But there was a lot of those this year. Like, yeah. And I specifically tried to like talk with some of these guys like, hey, I, I never heard of your brewery. Is this, yeah. this your first show? Like, oh, yeah, we just opened like last month and this is our, like, our first major show and stuff like that. Right. There were a lot of those, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and I took some pictures, so I got a couple names of some beers that we might have drank. Mm-hmm. There was the, from Flying Lion, they had the Lenny Curly Mosaic Pale. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yep. And they had the Apricot, yeah, we like to potty. Um, <laughs> apricot Ale. <laughs> there was some pretty epic beer names this yeah, year, too. Yeah, they yeah. Have very, the, very, some creative. very creative stuff. All the, the breweries have really upped to their naming game this year. And yeah. they were all unique beers that you only get there, the, including the Velvet Uppercut, Belgian Strong, 9%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then um, we had Bosque Brewing. What was that hazy we got in? I think it was like a, a raspberry something, something like milkshake hazy. We were talking about milkshake mm. style earlier. Pike had a raspberry Hefeweizen that was pretty good. It wasn't that. There was another one. But, but we also went to Dix. Dix. Went right. to Dix. Yep. Yeah, Lou, guess what guys. I found in my wallet, you son of a bitch. But uh, you did. Oh, the uh, yeah, stickers they handed so out. So Lou, always being, the, always being the joker, he got a bunch of Dix stickers from Dix Brewing with all these double entendres. And he was like doing pickpocket style, but instead of taking something, he was leaving these stickers in our wallets. That's right. And, and I found one the next day. I was at the grocery store. Sec- you handed it in as cash, and it was like, I want Dick's oh, sticker. Legal tender. So they had yeah. three. They had the orange <laughs> juice jewels. The orange juice jewels. Orange juice jewels. And they had the cream stout, and they had the silver mullet, which was like their version silver of Budweiser. Right? Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. Uh, Heathen Brewing, which was like metal. Heathen? They had the Pagani Italian style Pilsner. And my favorite name of the festival, the Merchant of Menace IPA. The Merchant <laughs> right? of Menace. They had a raspberry rhubarb, tiki time, tribal jam, winning stout, add peanut butter. Uh, I do remember that. that I, was I didn't get that one, but I had a taste. When, when in you guys stout, got it. add peanut butter. You didn't get it? No. When in stout? Come on, Brad. When in stout. I know. Add, it. You didn't, add the peanut butter. It? Still didn't oh, get it. Okay. All right. I apologize. So you mentioned a couple of uh, heavy metal-themed breweries. There was quite a few, Heathen being one of them, but there was also heavy metal brewing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we got, yeah. uh, I think we got a... You got a picture of that. Like an IPA from them that was Well, do you remember the delicious. tap handle for that? It was like some yeah, figure yeah. playing a playing yeah. guitar. His head on fire it was a great a flying tap handle. <laughs> yeah, I'll post that bit. That was the that best was tap handle. That was a great thing. one. So, yeah, recap of the Washington Brewers Festival. We might do that every year. In fact, we'd like to do one. We will be doing that every year. We'd like to do one live on site. But broadcast. Yeah, so maybe, maybe something live at some point. Would stick because We're it's get us one of those. drinking beers for four hours while Bob protects the equipment somewhere. <laughs> I may or may not be nibbling on psychedelic just mushrooms. Just back drunker and drunker and bomb. We'll yeah. get like a well, GoPro, attach it to your head, and we'll just like turn it on and let Lou I do go have a, I do have a GoPro. hour and a half. Do. Oh, do you? And that, that's Benny Hill thing. That's I see it yeah, and I did germinate. And we'll, we'll have to speed it up like if it. we need to to get in a one-hour episode. But yeah, nice. that's it. Yep. 
I like it. Yeah, right. let's do it. Let's, let's chop it up. We should probably start talking to them like now before later to kind of like set things up because that's probably one of those things you got to like set up way ahead of time. But I bet if we talk to them, or we I just bet we can uh, sneak that shit in and just do it. Gorilla style. Gorilla. Just set up one of those picnic tables that got set up. Yeah, well, I mean, what are they going to do? What we'll are they going to do? We'll podcast up yeah. into the point where we're running for the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining. We'll, we'll see you next time. Nice. Get All right. Well, I, I think that's a plan for uh, next summer then. <laughs> I like it. Right that. Uh, so, so I talked. We, we just. Thanks for stealing my beer. Just finished what, what I was drinking. Brad, you are done, but I what just finished, were you drinking? I had a point break, mm-hmm. and I don't know anything about them. That's why I got it, actually, because it wasn't something I recognized, and I like getting okay. something off the beaten path, and uh, it, was a, uh, it was a pale, and it was really, really good because it had a nice little hoppy flavor to it, but not like IPA hoppy, just nice balanced flavor, Nice, which I always appreciate. Cool. All right, uh, so Lou. I have Jamie on the rocks. You want to talk about where we're at? Jeez. Oh, wait, you're the host. <laughs> what are we doing? All right. So we're done with what you're drinking. That's fine. So, uh, and I made a come up before. We, we talked about how we're in Georgetown. We've done a couple of episodes from Georgetown and got into a little bit of history of Georgetown. But I, I, I love, I just got to say, man, I love this fucking neighborhood. This is kind of, to me, this is the heart of Georgetown, even though there are yeah. other like areas that are kind of like quote unquote mainstreamy for Georgetown. To me, this is it, right? Uh, airport way bleeding into, <laughs> into Georgetown is, and this just some great, great restaurants along the street, some great breweries, Georgetown breweries, just a couple of blocks up the street, Jules Mays that we're at now, a yeah. couple of other awesome uh, dive bar places that we will probably visit in some future episodes, like literally half a block you know, practically next door. So I just love this neighborhood. Oh, yeah, totally. And you're right on the theater road in terms of where we're at. Like we're riding parallel to I-5. Yep. It's that road you take when I five is too jammed up. Maybe you want. Yeah, can you can you imagine this place before I five was built? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right, like way out in the fucking boonies. When originally right? Georgetown was its own little town. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It wasn't before it was annexed by uh, With like a Seattle. thousand people. Oh. Well, and it was a company town owned by the Rainier, Rainier Brewery. Brewery. The guy that mm-hmm. ran the Rainier Brewery was also the mayor of Georgetown, and it was a company town. So you didn't it was like it was a partying crazy off the hook. Everybody had town. script. Yeah. yeah, we talked about yeah, this in the Slims episode <laughs> and that Georgetown yeah. actually only became a town because Seattle in 1905, even before 1910, started talking about local prohibition. Yeah. And they were the sixth largest beer producing district in the world at that time. So yeah. they were like, no, 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 no. So they made themselves a city Yeah. in order to get, uh, yeah. Shield themselves. Get some yeah. distance from Seattle. And then when yeah. they lost their when they gave up on that crazy idea. Yeah. Georgetown so said, we can join forces. George Georgetown basically gerrymanned themselves. No, they just uh, took care of themselves. All right, good for them. Yeah. And so... Uh, All right, let's do a quick outro All right. All right. as a host. So we, we are wrapping it up for episode... What are we on? Three? Four? This is episode... Four? Season two, episode three. Okay, there we go. Episode three, and like you said, Brad, we've got another episode coming up where we're going to recap Seattle's oldest bars. Maybe and we're going to do I, the I big reveal. Yeah, on I don't want to say really like crown a king because we kind of are in a way, kinda, but you know, there is kinda. a winner. There is a like clear you said winner. Before it's 
more complicated yeah, than that. Yeah, and we'll so get into you, that. you got to tune in and figure out what the hell's going on. But thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Jeremy, Brad, Lou, Bob. Until thanks next time. Always. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Adios. Cheers, everybody.